So I have three girls, six-year-old and then twin four-year-olds. And I'm trying to do a better job of bringing them around, showing them stuff. Each one individually said something like, mom, where are all the girls? And I was like, I was trying to point out, you know, the handful that we have. I was embarrassed about it. I was like, you're right. I got to get more females in this business. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Something about the word manufacturing conjures masculine images. Big, heavy metal machinery, tough guys with equally big arms. And when you look around the typical manufacturing facility from the shop floor to the boardroom, frankly, a lot of this kind of holds up. But why? Just because that's how it's always been? My guest today is a fourth-generation female leader of a family-owned manufacturing business. And as the president of this organization and a mother of three girls, she'll tell you why it's more important right now than ever before that we change the perception of manufacturing as a place for men alone and start opening the doors for women in this space. Let me take a moment to introduce her. Leslie Ledwell Ducolo is a native of Texarkana, Texas, and president of Ledwell and Son Enterprises, following in her father and grandfather's footsteps. Established in 1946, Ledwell manufactures, services, and distributes truck bodies and trailers throughout the country. Today, Ledwell has grown to more than 500 team members who serve customers and businesses of all sizes in a variety of industries from construction to vacuum to agriculture. Ledwell's mission is to manufacture top quality equipment that is efficient, reliable, and customized exactly to the customer's needs. Leslie earned an undergraduate degree from Duke University and an MBA from the University of Texas. In 2005, Leslie went to work at Ledwell, where she worked in sales, operations, and business development before becoming president in 2014. She is the first woman to serve as president of the company and an advocate for diversity in the manufacturing industry. Leslie currently serves on the Texas Business Leadership Council, Texarkana College Board of Trustees, Texas A&M University Texarkana Foundation Board, and Leadership Texarkana Board. Leslie is also very involved in the Arkansas-Texas Regional Economic Development Initiative. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you. So, Leslie, I talked to a number of second and third generation leaders of family-owned manufacturing businesses, but you are a fourth generation leader, which is pretty cool. I was curious if you could kind of start things out by telling us a little bit about how Ledwell came to be. Absolutely. So, my grandfather was in World War II, and when he came back from overseas from England, he and his dad started the company. And they actually started at, you know, Northeast Texas, big lumber area, and they started it by traveling down to Houston and bringing lumber for all the GIs building the houses in Houston. And then pretty quickly, people around the Texarkana area started saying, hey, will you build with this lumber you're doing? Will you build some racks on the back of the pickup trucks? Then they moved to steel. Then it was kind of a fluid, whenever anyone asked, just built more equipment, truck bodies, trailers. And that's how it's worked the last 75 years. 
we've had the customers come to us and say, can you help us? And we make it happen. It's pretty cool. I, I love these stories where, you know, you look at what you are physically doing and, and manufacturing and selling today. And then you look at the roots and there's a very clear connection here, but you think of just how different it is. And, you know, it emerged from just a, somebody asking a question, can you make me this thing? And, and then, you know, here you are many, many decades later with just a, you know, a huge successful business that's passed through four generations. It's, it's pretty cool. I love hearing those stories. Yeah. It's, I hope that we have kept that. Well, I know we have kept that core because part of it's just that entrepreneurial spirit and it's wanting to, the hardest thing at fourth generation wise is other than hoping I don't completely screw it up and crash and burn the business is how you take it from the mom and pop and that feeling of the family we're all in it together and just keep that feeling as you continue to grow. Because what we want is, is our people to be bought in and be a huge part of what we're doing and to make that happen while, you know, getting the processes and systems and you've got to get more corporate as you get bigger. It just, there's this tension there and making sure that, you know, we're thoughtful enough to, to thread that needle. It's one of the hardest things to do or that I think about the most day to day. Yeah, I bet that there's just a lot of challenges that that come with that because it's, you know, on, on one hand, it's like your success has probably come from having these, you know, really closely knit customer relationships and, and a tightly knit team that, you know, feels a lot like a family. I, I can understand that. And yet at the same time, you're trying to grow, you're trying, you need to remain profitable you know, new opportunities come up. Like what's that been like trying to manage all that? And I'm, you know, I, I know you came into, you know, you've been in the family business, obviously it's been in your family business. You've probably known it your whole life to some extent. You came into it more, you know, in your adult life, but what's that been like trying to maintain that? And like, what have some of the challenges been that you've had to deal with? Sure. Absolutely. You know, the workforce, as far as, you know, since the beginning that I have been there, I've been aware. That has been, you know, main conversation. Every generation is like, you know, these new kids coming in or these new kids, and this is, you know, going on 20 years ago, talking about the new kids coming in. So it's making sure that culture, that the way you do it, it manifests down. And not everyone that comes to work at Leadwell is really, you know, bleeds Leadwell. You've got it. You've got to find those people. You've got to find the ones that fit. They want to work, that have the integrity, that have the focus on each other and the focus on the customer. So that is a constant, you know, we do a lot of apprentice work. We do a lot of conversations and communicating about it. But if you can find those people that that fit and work, then a lot of the rest of it becomes easy because they're the ones that kind of shepherd you in. And then all you have to do as a leader is is listen when they've got the good ideas and check in on them. I mean, one thing that dad and I, dad's still really involved in the company, is we go around and we're lucky that we're able to have the majority of our people are based in Texarkana in this plant, footprint of a plant. And each day we go around and say hi to every person. So it's really the most important thing I do every day. It's what I make sure that I get done before all the rest of the stuff is because if there's an issue, if they've got a problem with their kid, or if they're having trouble getting something done, if I can help solve that for them, then that means they can focus on their job and they can make Ledwell work better that day. And then they're not worried about the outside of the world. And I mean, it's the same thing with dad. And that's what my grandfather did, my dad. I mean, it's the being open to communication with your people, I think is the most important thing. We've always had doors open all the time. Sometimes there's a line of people out there, but Getting that information, those ideas, because they're the ones that are the experts there. 
doing their job and telling me, hey, have you thought of this? Or, hey, can we do that? Then they have the ownership and they're the ones making us a better company. Yeah, I think those are some really good points there. I've been co-running my business for about 15 years. And, you know, in the earliest years, you know, it was my business partner, John and myself. And then we sort of have slowly grown to we're 21 people now, but you know, it was somewhere around, you know, having 10, 12, 15 people somewhere in that range when all of a sudden, like we had to start letting go of things and we had to put a lot more trust in people. And now it's it's really like anytime I get a feedback from a customer or something and, and they don't even mention me or John or something we did, it's all about, you know, the team. Like that's the stuff that makes me really proud because you have like these leaders that start to emerge and you give them more responsibilities. You just kind of let them do their thing. And then I, I love the way that you actually walk the halls and you go talk to people and keep that human to human connection. Cause I think it's I think it's easy to lose sight of that. And you know, you just you kind of get caught up in your own job and the support and nurturing of of a team is is just such a critical thing that I think is easy to overlook. Yeah. And it's another part that you know, they see you out there, you see what they're working on, you ask them questions, if they're doing a good job, or maybe their supervisor mentioned something, you can give them a genuine compliment about something. And that goes so far. It's like, hey, they recognized my value. And the other thing that I've started doing the past few years, and I'm not great at it, but I, at least a couple of days a week, I try to hit, I try to call three to five of our customers. Now, you know, I'm talking to some of the bigger customers, Frequently, but this will be, you know, I've got a list of who we sold to for the last six months or a year. I reach out to them. And so that's when I'm hearing on the other side, what our people and how our sales team, our service team, our parts is interacting with the customer. And I'm also hearing stories about how they're using our equipment, what the issues might be, what's happening in the world. It just, it feels like it connects me to all of the all the different levels and all the different industries. Cause we sell from everyone to the, you know, farmer down the street with one piece of equipment to these multinational ginormous companies. You kind of got to have a, a touch with everyone to make sure you're not so far outside the bounds. I think that's really smart. And I imagine it just goes a long way, even a five minute conversation, just hearing from the president of the company, right. To, for them to hear, to just know you care, you care and you understand what's going on and you're involved and you're seeking out their opinion because it matters. It's probably really impactful. Well, I want to make sure they're happy. I mean, you know, if they're not happy, then we're, we're not going to keep going, but yeah. And it, and it makes our sales team, especially, you know, the ones that are out in the field, they know that, that I'm aware of what's happening and then their their customers get a chance to brag on them. It just, you know, it's another part of that communication, that culture that's so critical. That's great. Let's talk about supply chain for a minute. Obviously, it's it's been a wild year and a half, year and a half, I should say at this point, probably on on that front. And I know you and I were chatting about that a little bit when we were prepping for this this conversation. It's I just I've said the you know phrase supply chain more in the last year than I ever had in my life combined. It has been a beast. And I thought last year was hard and it was. COVID was was brutal and just making sure your people were safe and making sure you were doing the right things and still keeping the company going. But this year has been unlike any other because all of a sudden we have the work and and people and we want to get it done and we just it's the parts and the pieces every day. It's a new issue. It's a new fire to put out with a part, a piece you've always assumed would be there. And then all of a sudden it's not. And then plus you've got the inflation built in. You know, we've got 10, 20, 30% on each thing that we're purchasing. So 
trying to manage that and maintain some form of profitability has been the, the biggest thing I've, I've ever faced as far as a management deal. And I don't know that it's going to go away in the near future. So we've, we've succeeded in that we are still putting out and still doing what we can just by maintaining those tight vendor relationships and, and doing what we say we're going to do and communicate with our customers with this is information we have right now. We know it's painful. This is what we know. And we're going to keep telling you what we know when we know it. And, you know, we're not going to try to do anything silly. We're going to do it with integrity, everything we do, like we always do. So it's that we also have had, you know, we've been around forever and we've had a lot of these relationships. So you get the respect from them and they're trying to put you first. But And everyone's in the same boat. It's not like we're special. So they they understand what we are. It's just, oh my goodness, we've brought stuff in-house. We've, we've gotten really creative. You know, we've got a fabulous engineering team that can kind of turn on a dime. So that's helped when you have to revisit the situation. But I don't know, Joe. I mean, it's it's not a fun position to be in, one that we haven't we haven't personally been in before. No, I, I don't envy people in, in your situation or that of many of my clients who are, are dealing with raw materials and, you know, a physical product, frankly, you know, I'm, I'm in the information business as a, a marketing consultant and agency, essentially. So kind of a different world for me, but this is part of everybody's world that, that I'm talking to. So it's probably nice therapy to just for other manufacturers to hear you talk about this and, and hear, you know, like, hey, we're all facing this and like... Yeah. Please reach out anyone who has a brilliant solve for this problem. But yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard one yet, but you know, it's I'm hearing a lot of things like, well, second sourcing where we can, like just setting expectations with customers and maintaining open dialogue, like you just touched on. You know, in some cases, it's eating. You know, it's it's just lower margins, like as prices inflate. But you know, it's it's a challenge. It's not like there's some some magic bullet out there, right? Right. And I think we all, I mean, maybe this needed to happen. Maybe the little correction as far as we had gotten so thin with our supply chains a lot, the, the country, the world. And so all of a sudden with the microchips or everything, it's like, oh, wait, perhaps we, you know, in the whole reshoring of manufacturing back to the USA, I think part of the, I mean, it's all part of the same kind of big ball that we're trying to unwind and figure out better ways to do this because it's never hurt to have more out there building what you need built. And I think this has been a little bit of a slap in the face of, hey, we need to rethink some of our and then what it means for us individually as businesses and as a country. Yeah. No, I agree. And yeah, I've heard heard a lot of that too. Like I had Harry Moser on the show a couple months ago who leads the reshoring initiative. And he had a lot of really smart insights about, you know, the the trend that was already starting to to happen and then COVID really just sort of, you know, got that ball rolling even faster. You know, the the labor shortage, of course, and, you know, the idea of where can we find other labor? And I think that's probably a good lead into my next question, frankly, for you. You know, Leslie, I recently did an episode on the show with Andrew Crow and Justin Sherman, who are two really incredible social entrepreneurs who are really throwing all their energy into promoting and facilitating the adoption of diversity and inclusion in the manufacturing sector. And in their episode, they they tackled that from a whole variety of angles. It was about an hour-long episode. And, and they talked about diversity and inclusion from the standpoint of race and gender and sexual orientation and young versus old. Like They hit it from a variety of angles. 
had a lot of really good things to say. I, I love what they're doing there. I'm very curious to hear you as a woman leading a manufacturing organization. I want to hear what you have to say to the manufacturing world about bringing more women into the industrial sector, both in leadership and skilled labor roles. Yeah. So I listened to Andrew and Justin's podcast and it was, I didn't disagree with anything they said. I mean, they were, they were right on the money and it was interesting because, you know, to do all that we're trying to do, to reshore, to grow, to, we have all these businesses, it, or all this manufacturing work, we can't discount gender-wise half the population. And I was trying, I've heard different numbers, but I think it's somewhere in the high teens percentage of women or percentage of people in manufacturing here are women. And that's just kind of, I mean, silly. There's, we are missing it until the, you know, the COVID year, every conversation I had with manufacturer, other people, every time I was in an initiative, in a project, the main topic was workforce. How do we get more people into this business? And frankly, manufacturing has been, it's just been hidden for so long. I mean, when I was growing up or in the eighties and the nineties, it was such this push for four year, go to four year college, four year college, for it's like the whole country said, this is what we need to do. And we disregarded Votech and we disregarded manufacturing. What a great living you can make for yourself and your family in this world. And we need to start younger. I mean, we're working on several initiatives locally with you know the local community college. We have a workforce program. We do a welding apprenticeships. And there's a fantastic female welding instructor that we work with. But they are still not... Just saw something the other day that basically the majority of our people that are the jobs that we need are welders, some machinists, painters, but the majority are the welding profession. It's something like the need goes up 4% a year and the people going into it goes down 7% a year. So there's this massive gap that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And if we don't have, if we're not inclusive enough to be all those extra people out there into the manufacturing world, then we're, we've kind of lost the game before we even start playing it. So there's a lot of work to be done. And there's a lot of, I mean, with Andrew and Justin, the ideas they have, the projects they're doing, and this is happening all over the place. There's small, there's big, there's all sorts of initiatives, but it's got to start younger. It's got to start just the realization that, I mean, frankly, how cool is manufacturing? You get to take parts and pieces Something in your brain you want to create, you build it from parts and pieces into a product that someone needs to do their job. I mean, there's not a cooler industry out there, in my opinion. And that's what we need to promote and present to these to these middle schoolers, or maybe even younger. Like, hey, you don't have to go into retail, you don't have to go in the restaurant business. There's so much cool stuff happening that you don't even know about. And it's our fault because we haven't been sharing it. So I have three girls, six-year-old and then twin four-year-olds, and I'm trying to do a better job of bringing them around and showing them stuff. Each one individually said something like, mom, where are all the girls? And I was like, I was trying to point out, you know, the handful that we have, I was embarrassed about it. I was like, you're right. I got to get more females in this business. And it wasn't even something I thought about growing up, but I love that they're thinking about it so young. And I think it's a generational shift. We're, we're going to get there. We just have to work a little harder at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine that factory jobs or even leadership jobs, probably in manufacturing is like, it had a very masculine sort of, I mean, it's, it's always been that way, right? So that, that change has to start somewhere. Now's the time. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been in the room, but the, the only email, I mean, the majority of the time. And it's, it's a good, you know, I hate to get all, but it's, it's a 
good industry, good salt of the earth people. You know, it is, it's, you work hard, you get the skill set, you can grow in your profession, you grow in what your abilities are. It's a great spot to be in. We just, for some reason, have kept it a secret. Is there any, you know, you've kind of started, I think, hitting on this message already, but anything you have to say to young women out there about the possibilities for a career in manufacturing, especially just kind of given what, what you've been able to do with yours? Yeah, absolutely. I just, it, that it doesn't matter what your skill set is, you can, you can find your spot. I mean, if you want to work with your hands, if you are good with numbers, if you can sell anything in that realm. And to be fair, right now, it is because you are one of, you know, few, you get more attention. So you can maybe rise up faster or you can be heard better because it's like, oh, here's, here's a female in my world where I'm only seeing, you know, men. I'm going to listen to her. And if she knows what she's saying, well, well, dang, let's work with it. Let's do something. So that's a lot. Uh, also, it, it is when you have, and I've touched on this already, but when you can go into something and you can grow your skills and you can collaborate with teams and you can create, it just leaves you know, that confidence and that self-esteem of what your ability to do. It grows as you grow as a, as a person in your career. Great message. Leslie, is there anything that I did not ask you about that you'd like to be able to touch on still? No, just that I, growing up, I did some, you know, filing and I answered the phones. And I think after senior year of high school, I spent two months trying to cold call this massive list we had and sell a new piece of equipment. And it wasn't until I ended up after college, I got my CDL so I could deliver our products and so I could earn some money to teach school abroad. Anyway, the point is, I didn't know about Leadwell and I had grown up in the company. I didn't really understand what all we did until I was in it, seeing it firsthand, thinking, wow, this is a vibrant, cool, thriving, fun culture and company, and I can really help it grow. So as far as all these other people coming in that we as a manufacturing community are going to need, we have to bring them in to show them because it's, you know, it's so much easier to understand what you're getting into or what's out there if you can see it. We do tours all the time with high school kids. We do tours, you know, some younger just saying, hey, this exists as a real opportunity for you to make a living and do good work. They just have to know that it's, that it's there. Totally agree. And I think it's great that you guys are being advocates for this among the, the young community. I mean, you need it for yourselves, but so does the manufacturing sector as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And I also just want to say that I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast. It's very cool to to hear something and every every person that comes on, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a problem I see. Or, oh yeah, that's interesting how they're doing that. It's like, there's nothing that's not relevant. So it's been really inspiring and fun to have it on in my car on the way to work back and forth each day. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate it. It's been one of the best decisions I've made in 15 years of running this company, just because, I mean, for so many reasons, you know, I, I talk to so many different manufacturing leaders. I talk to people who kind of look into the manufacturing sector from the outside and have advice to offer leaders and, you know, from the, just the learnings that about my audience, frankly, you know, that the people that we are serving, you know, I'm, I'm hearing what matters to them. So it's great market research for me as a leader of a company who serves the manufacturing sector. And, you know, I've built great connections. 
I've just met so many interesting people. And so I just think there's so many benefits to this medium and whether, you know, piece of advice for people listening here, you know, it, it's not so hard to run a podcast, by the way. And, and even if it's not a podcast, it's, I sit here and I have conversations with people like you, Leslie, who have a unique perspective and you can be a resource to your peers. And I just hit record and that's it, you know, and then you do a little, little cleanup at the end. But yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun experience. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Well, you're doing good work because a lot of us in this business, so you want, you know, your day to day, you're just running as fast as you can and trying to get it all done. And then it's nice to take a moment and force yourself to to look at the big picture or get a little creative and have that, that time that you offer to, you know, it, it's a platform, like you said, and I don't spend enough time talking to, you know, industry leaders in my world. So this is a way I can hear what they're saying without, you know, pick up the phone and call in random people. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Leslie, really appreciate you doing this today. I know it was your first podcast and, and based on how, how many insights you brought to the table and how well you did, I, I imagine it's not going to be your last. So thanks for doing this. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for being nice to me. <laughs> can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and also how they can learn more about what Ledwell is doing? Oh, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn, Leslie Ledwell, and you can actually email me directly at ledwell at ledwell.com. L-E-D-W-E-L-L the name of the company and you just Google that to get to our website and see kind of all of the products we build and industries we're in and, and if you have any new ideas or new things we need to work on or new niches to get into we're always open for that. Or if you figured out that secret recipe to solving the supply chain issue, right? Yes, yes. It, yeah, any, anything, any brilliance you have I'm always open. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Leslie. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>